Hey, North County. Welcome to the North County Beat on Friday, May 15th. I'm Ryan Wolt. And I'm Kelly Kyle. We've got a pretty stacked show for you today, so before we get started, we just have a few quick messages to share. First, we want to shout out a sponsor of the North County Beat, Cox Communications. Cox Communications offers high-quality Gigablast internet services that help families stay online as schools and offices remain closed. Get more information at cox.com. The Coast News has been a leading voice in North County for 33 years, and we continue to passionately cover the stories of our communities of local economy, sports, culture, and politics, and the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are able and would like to support our reporting efforts, please go to thecoastnews.com and click the donate button on the upper left. All right, now let's dive in. We know the world is pretty tired of hearing about coronavirus cases at this point, so we'll keep this quick. At the time of this recording, San Diego County has 5,391 cases of COVID-19 and a little over 1,000 hospitalizations with 200 deaths. Things for testing are looking up. Both state and county officials report that they are on track for getting more people tested for the novel coronavirus. Antibody testing, the kind that can tell whether you've already been exposed and infected by the virus, is also becoming more available. Tests can be scheduled at four Quest Diagnostics locations in North County, and drive-through testing events will be hosted at Walmart locations soon. More details on how to schedule a test are up at questdiagnostics.com. Restaurants and larger offices now have the green light to start planning to reopen in late spring or early summer, according to Phase 2 of the Governor's Plan. But that leaves Phase 3 businesses, the ones unable to reopen until July or August, getting antsy. In Lucadia, Tanya Proctor, co-owner of Noni Salon, painted her storefront windows with a bold We Want to Work slogan, advocating for salons and tattoo shops to be allowed to reopen sooner. Proctor explains that salons and estheticians have always needed to be licensed by the state to make sure they follow health and safety guidelines for their clients. And she has plans to reopen safely. We want to do the exact same protocol that's being taken before you enter into a doctor's office. The same guidelines as far as sanitation and cleaning and protocol, wearing a mask, having gloves, disposable capes. We want to get face visors to even further that safety for our client. San Diego County Supervisor Greg Cox says the county is currently working with the state to accelerate the opening of local businesses with the proper safety protocols. So our goal is to work aggressively within that process and submit alternative data that we believe supports an accelerated reopening that protects both workers and the public. Check out thecoastnews.com next week for more updates on that situation. Some Oceanside businesses have proclaimed that they are at their breaking point. This is a peaceful rally, a peaceful demonstration for small businesses, all small businesses. A crowd gathered in front of the Metroflex gym in Oceanside on Wednesday to voice frustrations over continued business closures. The gym's owner, Lou Uradel, reopened despite being a non-essential business. I am worried about it, but I feel that I have to do what I feel is right in my heart. Standing with Lou was Oceanside City Councilman Chris Rodriguez, who earlier this month sent a letter to his constituents urging them to reopen their non-essential businesses if they agreed with his conviction that the state of California's plan for the economy is moving too slowly. In response, the Oceanside Police Officers Union criticized the councilman for using inflammatory rhetoric that could endanger officers trying to enforce the law. 
Coast News Managing Editor Jordan Ingraham asked the councilman what prompted him to write the letter. I felt it to be important based on conversations with a lot of businesses uh, that, you know, weren't getting the stimulus like they said they would get. And they're just like, why can't we open? You know, Walmart is open. You know, Dollar Tree is open. We can follow those same rules. Why, why can't we open and pay our bills and pay our employees? And so I wanted to ask the county uh, to write a letter from our city to ask the county for uh, local control on opening other businesses. And at that time, I didn't get full support from my colleagues. Uh, and then another two weeks passed, more and more businesses are shutting down and it's just getting worse. And I'm getting more calls, more emails from residents and businesses. And uh, I brought it up again. And, and I got support for one to send a, a letter demanding to the county health office, give us local control to be able to open our beaches, open our parks, open what we need to open. We are perfectly capable, and so are our residents, of following and complying with rules. The Oceanside Mayor's Office rebuked the councilman's letter in a statement read on NBC. The mayor of Oceanside responded saying no city council or individual council members have the authority to tell a business to violate the county orders. Metroflex owner Lou Uradel was briefly arrested and cited for violating the closure order, but has continued to reopen his gym. At the same time, Main Street Oceanside is working to help provide some financial relief to Oceanside's smallest businesses with their new Oceanside Strong microgrant program. With help from Whitlock, Inc., they're selling Oceanside Strong branded tees, hats, and masks to raise funds and requesting donations. They plan to disperse the money to the smallest businesses in the community. Grants range from $250 to $1,000 to assist with immediate financial needs. If you want to support the fund or apply for a grant, go to the Main Street Oceanside website for details. Businesses can apply through next Friday, May 22nd. There is one business that's back. The Carlsbad Village State Farmer's Market is returning after weeks of being shut down. There are some new rules and regulations to keep vendors and lovers of locally grown produce healthy and free of coronavirus. For example, the number of vendors has been scaled down, masks are required, social distancing is mandatory, and they even have markers on the ground to control the flow of traffic. Nearly 900 customers came through the reopened market on May 6th, and for a moment, there was a calming sense of normalcy in the village. If you live in Del Mar, you may remember when Measure MM passed in 2018. It was intended to pave the way for some large-scale, long-overdue projects in the Del Mar Union School District. One of the most anticipated of those projects has been the Del Mar Heights Elementary School rebuild, which Coast News reporter Lexi Brote explains is now on its way to becoming a reality. The Delmar Heights Elementary School rebuild design was unanimously approved this week by the Delmar Union School District Board after what has been a long and sometimes controversial process. The 61-year-old school will be torn down and replaced by a completely new campus with a new innovation center, learning studios, a larger multi-use room, and a parking and queuing area about twice the size of what currently exists. As the oldest school in the district, it was built in 1959 for a much smaller student body than the 500 plus it has now. As a result, about a third of the school operates in portable classrooms. And as board president Erica Halpern pointed out at the board's May 12th meeting, these facilities have not held up over the years. Well, I have always loved the school. Much of the facility itself has been an embarrassment for years. My own children, have gone to school grade after grade in what are thoroughly obsolete, decaying, temporary structures that are now more than 30 years old. 
And while a new campus is on its way, it hasn't been without its fair share of opposition. In the months leading up to its approval, a handful of community members spoke out regarding the design's smaller field area and associated fire safety concerns. The tension even led to worries about legal action regarding the school's environmental review process. However, the project was approved as is, with district staff and board members defending the project's lengthy redesign and review process. From the initial facilities planning meetings in 2014 to the Prop MM campaign to the blank pieces of paper at the first architectural planning meetings more than a year ago, to each person who took the time to write a letter or stand up and speak at a school board meeting, the result is an improved school. It creates a better environment for kids and continues to welcome the community with open arms. Given the district's approval, the project will now go to the division of the state architect for final review. Although many factors of the rebuild are still up in the air due to the COVID-19 crisis, the district still anticipates the new school will open in the fall of 2021. More news from Del Mar. The fairgrounds are heading towards a financial crossroads. The cancellation of all large events due to COVID-19 has the fairground management staff worried that they won't be able to continue operations without new event revenue. The grounds host more than 300 large-scale events annually, including the San Diego County Fair. The fairgrounds operating body is asking the governor to approve $20 million in emergency funding in order to stay open. In the meantime, they're renting empty parking lots to local car rental agencies, needing a place to park their fleets of vehicles that have been left unused during this pandemic. In local high schools, parents, students, and even teachers have weighed in on the debate over how to grade students for this unconventional end-of-year term. Some schools are letting students choose whether they want to take their classes pass-fail or opt-in to receive letter grades. Other districts have made the credit-no-credit system a requirement, which is getting some pushback from parents and students. Coast News reporter Steve Paterski has been following this story, and he joins us now to break it all down. So give us the update here on which North County schools are currently not allowing students to opt in to receive letter grades and then instead requiring that credit, no credit model. Yeah, thanks, Kelly. Um, I just wanted to preface that real quick with saying it's called the hold harmless policy, which will not allow a student's grade to drop where it was before at the last recorded period, which for many schools was March 13th. So if a student had a C grade on March 13th, or later for schools on quarter trimester systems, they can only improve their grade. And the same philosophy applies for credit, no credit. Um, and regarding the school districts in North County, the only ones still on the credit, no credit uh, policy are Oceanside, Poway, and Vista. So the districts pushing for that credit, no credit grading policy, why do they think that this is more effective in this current situation? After today's vote in San Diego where they reverse their policy. The only one that I've been covering has been FISTA. And the sentiment there is the credit, no credit policy allows for more protections and equity for disadvantaged and lower income students and families who have difficulty accessing wireless internet, a wireless internet connection. Additionally, those students are more likely to have challenging situations at home, having to take care of siblings, a lack of access to devices, and reducing their stress and anxiety on those students. Trustee Cipriano Vargas said he's in favor of the credit, no credit, for some of those reasons and some other challenges that those students may find uh, in their home lives, technology or a lack of connection to the internet. And then how about for the uh, parents and students who they want people to choose their fate, so to speak, so they want the students to have the ability to opt in for letter grades. What is their argument for that? Many of the parents and even 
one teacher in Vista I spoke with, I say the fact that colleges and universities want as, made it, as many data points as possible, such as grades, SAT scores, ACT scores, just to name a few, as part of a student's holistic profile, is one reason to allow for the students and families to decide, especially for underclassmen such as juniors, sophomores, and freshmen. Um, additionally, they say it is more equitable as a credit, no credit policy assumes disadvantaged students don't want to show their progress or their grades when applying for colleges. They also say it harms a student's ability to actually be accepted to college, apply for scholarships, merit, and other financial aid programs, to name a few, according to Seema Burke, who has kids in both Vista and San Diego school districts. What's the downside to the half and half, like letting students uh, choose to opt in for letter grades or go uh, pass-fail? What's, what's the downside against just allowing for both it's a great question and in, during t- you know the, the the may 13th meeting at san Diego, they even had a bit of trouble answering that question and i've been and i've been trying to probe it as well but i think it's just more of as far as the downside goes it's trying to give everybody an equal playing field in an unprecedented time and because districts and colleges have been scrambling over the last six to eight weeks because of this nobody knows what's going to happen and so because of that no one's even really sure whether or not the hybrid option is the best or credit no credit is the best just no one knows how this going to turn out and how those colleges and universities are actually going to apply this semester going forward yeah. something that i still have yet to hear you know a really moving reason as to why not allow either or the either or option seems to be the best because it gives everyone an option at least it gives you two options instead of just one um to cover any and all kids and families and what their needs may or may not be because it's hard for the districts to actually specifically identify each home situation and try and try to have one policy that covers all those different situations When can we expect to see these districts making their final decisions regarding grading policies? You know, the situation is still fluid, and I have not seen any deadlines or guidelines from the state or county that have been set for when districts must decide. From my perspective, at least from what I know right now, it's up to each individual district to decide whether or not to implement this or even have meetings. Um, However, like a large segment of parents in VISTA, nearly 1,000, are pushing their board to add the matter to a future agenda item or a future agenda or call a special meeting to address this policy specifically. Some parents, such as Seema Burke, are calling for the California State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tony Thurman, to institute the hold harmless hybrid policy statewide. So there's continuity and consistency across all districts from the states as to prevent any student, regardless of income, regardless of access, to be treated fairly as they move as their high school careers move forward and end up, you know, going on to college and secondary education schools. Thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate it, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. Now, this is the time of year where we typically see high school and college seniors starting to wrap up their time at school and get ready for the next chapter of their lives. But COVID-19 has changed that reality. California State University has changed my life for the better, and today is just the beginning. 
That's part of the speech that senior Katie Diaz hoped to read at the Cal State San Marcos College of Business commencement ceremony. But the coronavirus pandemic had other plans. Job fairs, Dean's List breakfasts, and other senior events were canceled or moved online due to the pandemic. And now commencement is postponed. Well, I finished on Monday, but and honestly, I feel like nothing's different. I feel like commencement would have been like that closure that I needed. The reality is California State University San Marcos isn't really sure when Diaz and her classmates will get to see their commencement, but they know that they will do a ceremony. Here's Christine Vaughn, communications director for the university. This class will celebrate commencement. We don't know when, uh, but we will celebrate them and they will have their commencement. Still, there is a lot to consider before they can get a date on the books. Vaughn says Cal State San Marcos commencement can draw up to 10,000 guests. So the challenge now is knowing when the state and county guidelines will allow for the event and having a plan at the ready. We have a lot of contingency plans, trying to guess what might happen, also looking at desires. And then to do a large scale event, it requires vendors. You have to work with businesses. You know, it's it's not a contained within university asset. There's, there's lots of pieces for when a date of commencement can happen. Local high schools are also trying to figure out their graduation plans. Carlsbad High School wraps up their academic year on June 11th, but a board meeting this Wednesday revealed that it's unlikely they'll be hosting any in-person ceremony on that date. They'll make the official call on May 18th following the latest county health orders, but still they've planned a video presentation for June 11th to celebrate outgoing seniors. The board also proposed a few different scenarios to hold the postponed graduation ceremony on July 23rd in accordance with the social distancing guidelines at that time. Carlsbad High School principal Brian Brockett says the staff are also eager to see a traditional graduation ceremony. I've got students that come through there who, um, in, in a lot of cases, I've known since middle school um, and seen them come through. And so it's definitely something, you know, from our standpoint, as well as, you know, we know for our families that that really uh, holds a lot of value. For the seniors who've already missed out on some magic high school moments, getting to experience an in-person graduation is huge. Maddie Ward is a senior at Carlsbad and the activities director for the Associated Student Body. They've been doing their best to keep senior spirits up through social media. We have this page going right now where we're celebrating where everyone's going next year since people don't get to like see each other wearing their cold sweatshirts around campus. Even if graduation had to be postponed until after the summer, Ward says students would still come through since many will have to start college from home because of coronavirus precautions. I just know that a lot of us will kind of feel empty in a way at that point, if when, especially if we're not going off to college and kind of starting that new chapter, we'll still be looking to finish off our high school experience together. Even though these commencements and graduations aren't able to happen as planned, families and community members are still bringing on the celebrations. At San Diego Academy, there's a video campaign for students to submit their senior speeches for their classmates. There was also a drive-up parade at the school this week. So we provided safe instructions, uh, we placed items in their trunks, they drove through with smiles on their faces. That's Lisa Tucker with the SDA Foundation. They've been looking for little ways to celebrate seniors, and the drive-in parade was part of it. Parents of students in North County are also getting in on the celebration action. Cindy Kramer of Carlsbad arranged to get yard signs to senior families. I kind of texted with a group of senior parents and we got you know yard signs made for Carlsbad and Sage and it just says home of 2020 senior and then the other side says congrats seniors. Kramer has two kids. 
one graduating from Carlsbad High and the oldest graduating from college. The family is getting creative to celebrate these milestones. For example, her youngest, Rachel, made a video compilation for her older brother. We have family and friends send a video or videos and we, my daughter actually made it for him, surprised him with us. Uh, she spliced all these videos together for him and we're doing the same thing for her. She doesn't know it. Um, so, That's awesome. Um, on the college level, Katie Diaz is getting ready for a drive-up parade at Cal State San Marcos today, Friday, May 15th, which was the original date of her commencement. We get to drive through a little route and then all of the professors who are willing and able to be on campus. They're going to be on campus with like little signs and we get to just like drive down the street and wave. I think that's a really cute idea. After that, she has something else to look forward to. Her family is throwing her a small, in-person, socially distanced graduation party. We're social distancing and we're going to go to my grandma's house this weekend and I'll just like wear our masks and gloves and they're going to put me in the middle of the street in a cul-de-sac and they're all going to drive around in their little cars and do like a little parade. Oh, that's so cool. Are you going to play, like, Pomp and Circumstance? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Class of 2020, we tip our caps to you for making it through the most unpredictable final semester ever. On the bright side, if you got through this, well, diving into college or plunging into the vast unknowns of the real world, well, that's going to be a piece of cake. Congratulations, grads, and best of luck with your next chapter. That's our show, everybody. Be sure to check out thecoastnews.com regularly for all the news stories coming out of North County, San Diego. And if you're looking for more podcast content, please check out the brand new Cheers North County podcast, where I get a chance to have a drink with interesting people from our community. The first few shows are available now. We covered a lot today, but just a quick reminder, things are changing rapidly with the coronavirus, so keep checking your city's guidelines for the latest updates. You can also check in with the Coast News COVID-19 resource page for more helpful tools and news stories on the latest developments. That is at thecoastnews.com. For today's show, we want to thank a few people who helped out with the episode. Contributing reporters Lexi Brode, Caitlin Steinberg, Steve Petersky, and Samantha Taylor. Our editor-in-chief is Jordan Ingram. Our associate publisher is Chris Kidd. And our publisher is Jim Kidd. The next episode of the North County Beat will come out Friday, May 29th. I'm Ryan Wolt. And I'm Kelly Kyle. Thank you so much for joining us and have a magnificent weekend. We will talk to you next time.